Hello, my name is Mark Jontry, and I'm the Regional Superintendent for ROE 17, and joining me is Molly Allen, our Assistant Superintendent. Good Hello. Good morning. Molly, Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Molly, what are we doing? Well, we are starting a podcast for ROE 17 to showcase kind of the current programs and activities within our region, to give a little more information about what an ROE is and what we do, and to discuss kind of the future of education and opportunities we see coming in the near future. That sounds really, really exciting. We're really looking forward to inviting some guests on and talking to them about various topics and content and additionally we will invite some maybe non-traditional education guests you know some public interest uh, type things that maybe aren't directly related to k-12 education but i think nonetheless will be very informative and or entertaining for our listeners you know just uh, cover a broad spectrum of topics as we go forward molly one of the things we probably should do is tell people that are listening that may not uh, interact with our office all that often What is the role of the Regional Office of Education in the state of Illinois? Well, the roles of the ROE within the state of Illinois are to serve as an intermediary between the State Board of Education and our local school districts. So a lot of what we do is look at things that are coming out of our state board, ISBE, the Illinois State Board of Education, and how that impacts our different school districts because sometimes depending on the type of school district or programs that they have, the impact can vary greatly. So we help them understand what those policies and procedures are, as well as advocate back to ISBE about how to implement and what implementation looks like in different areas and what needs our school districts have. In addition, we also look at compliance. And Mark, if you want to tell us a little bit about what compliance looks like. So compliance really in a big umbrella is everything that a school district, a public school district and recognized non-publics for that matter are required to do under Illinois school code, the statutes, the state laws that govern what K-12 school districts must do. And so with that, there's everything from curriculum and instructional mandates. There's an entire section on what's called health life safety, which involves the physical condition of the building in order to safely be occupied by both students and staff for the purpose of instruction. Um, And then certainly there's just all those other ancillary compliance related things, making sure, you know, teachers are certified, for example, and things like that. So it's it's a pretty big tent, if you will, when it comes to compliance, but it's just a small part of what we do out of the office. One of the other things that we spend a lot of our time on is just trying to do a lot of community partnership and community outreach um, with various groups to try to provide additional opportunities or experiences for students and or staff. So we do quite a bit in that area. Uh, One of the things we recently did was called Adulting Day. We invited high school students, mostly uh, juniors and seniors, to come and learn a little bit about, you know, as they start to approach life out on their own, what they need to be concerned with when it comes to things around banking and driver's license and the legal system, how to go about acquiring insurance to be it for a car, for a home, an apartment, whatever. Interestingly enough, we had a a, a really large group of students that were interested in the home buying process in this last uh, particular day that we did. And so that was really, really interesting to see that. So things like that where we do outreach are another thing that this office uh, tries to do to just enhance opportunities or exposure for students.
Yes, and um, I think from that compliance standpoint, one thing we do is we really see that as a service. So um, helping our schools be in compliance, um, the last several years especially have created some very unique situations and challenges for schools. So partnering with them in ways that we can help them solve their problem. For example, the teacher shortage has been uh, accelerated by the pandemic and we are definitely seeing that in our local school districts. And so we have schools that are having trouble staffing um, from basic classroom positions where they were typically maybe used to a lot of applicants. Those applicant pools are dwindling. And so we have several partnerships with uh, universities that are both local and uh, throughout the nation to look at different types of programs to help those that are interested in becoming a teacher think about uh, what opportunities they may have in order to do that. Another example like adulting day would be our substitute teaching fairs. We always offer substitute teaching licensure and can talk people through that process. But over the last several years, we've gone and had kind of a one-stop shop where people who are interested in substitute teaching can come get the bulk of that paperwork and ask questions and do that to help our schools uh, have reliable subs. I frequently train substitute teachers as part of that process, and I always thank them because when you think of how many days a kid can have a sub in a school year, it, it can be quite significant. So providing a service of helping people who are interested in becoming a sub navigate that process and then become active substitute teachers really does have an impact on our local schools and our and our kids, which is certainly something we're all vested in. No question. Another area where we talk about individuals who come from the community to, to serve in those roles to support our students and staff or school or our school bus drivers and our office is tasked with what I would call the classroom portion of becoming a licensed school bus driver and so we provide the, the training for the classroom portion through our office both through an initial course and then obviously every year bus drivers have to go through a refresher course for two hours every year just to maintain their license. The behind the wheel and the ultimate road test are still um, completed by the Secretary of State's office, which is ultimately obviously where the, the school bus driver license comes from. But uh, just another example of, of some of the, our role in, in this realm. I think, Molly, one of, the, one of the areas where we really excel as an office is through professional development and school improvement um, supports for our districts. Can you kind of talk a little bit about the scope of what we do in that, that realm? Absolutely. To your point, we do engage in a lot of community partnerships, and I think that is also very evident in our approach to school improvement and professional learning. We have secured and been partners on some federal education grants that are research-based and seeking to improve the field by providing support for school leadership as well as school improvement teams. All of our schools live in school improvement. They're always looking at how they can improve and serve all students and also recognizing the the very good work they are doing so being um, partners on those federal grants has been a wonderful opportunity for us to assist our schools and also be part of a larger national conversation about what 
school leadership looks like and what tools and resources are needed to support them as well. One of our other aspects of professional learning that we have several partnerships going is we have instructional coaches who are employees of ROE 17 and they have instructional expertise. So we have math, science, language arts, expertise in what are the best practices in the content as well as general teaching and and how to implement those and we then partner with school districts who essentially contract with those professional development specialists in order to work on the specific district and building level and even classroom level challenges and opportunities that they have. We're particularly proud of our math program has become so popular that one of the needs that came out of it was there aren't necessarily great materials and resources available at a reasonable cost for a lot of our school districts. So Janet Moore, Haley posick burt and Katie Thomas are our math team, and they actually host monthly meetings where we bring in grade levels. So kindergarten and first grade teachers throughout the region are invited to attend a day-long training where Janet, Haley, and Katie are providing that content and instructional expertise, but they're also facilitating the work among those educators so that they are really able to address the challenges that their students are having and also celebrate the growth that they're seeing in their students from thinking about math in a different way. They are very much grounded in the eight mathematical practices, and it's been really exciting to see that program over the last several years grow. But that's that's definitely an example of a need coming from our schools and us being able to partner collaboratively to help address that need in a way that really does benefit everyone. So we've talked about the compliance component that our office deals with in large part. We've talked about professional development and school improvement. One of the areas, one of the other areas that we're heavily involved in is really just providing some direct instruction. And for our office, that manifests itself in alternative programming. We provide alternative schools for our four-county region. I guess I hadn't mentioned that we, our office does serve DeWitt, Livingston, Logan, and McLean counties and those school districts in those counties. And one of the things that we do is we run alternative schools for junior high and high school kids who are otherwise not able to succeed in their traditional homeschool setting uh, and or have, have been disciplined to the point that they're uh, up for expulsion. And so we provide a safety net, if you will, for those students uh, with the intent as those students come to us, we get them back on track, whether it's through credit recovery or just redirecting their learning approach and things in that regard to get them back to a point where they can return to their home school. And so we have certified teachers that teach in those particular programs and uh, we have multiple local locations throughout our region where that occurs to try to cut down on travel. And then this year we started up yet another um, program, a, a sort of a specialized program if you will, called the Central Illinois Bridge Academy. And that was the product of a needs assessment that was done that identified that adolescents with mental health issues continue to have real challenges in, in attending school, whether it be school anxiety, they may have been at risk of hospitalization for that anxiety or, or have been hospitalized and are, are coming out uh, of a hospital setting and are not certainly in a position to be able to go back to a home school immediately. So we started this program 
with the support of some um, both external funding and, and some funding that we were able to obtain from the state board. And so it's programming like that that really is one of the hallmarks of what we do out of the regional office education because many times other entities or other places are not able to do that and we have the ability to put that in place. Additionally, under those kind of student services or student-centered uh, approaches is truancy. We employ truancy caseworkers, truancy outreach specialists, who go out and work with families and students to try to break down barriers and address issues that are preventing their children from getting to school on a consistent basis. And so we employ three part-time retired administrators who obviously have a wealth of experience in dealing with students, and so they work with the various school districts and those students and parents to try to problem solve and make sure that those students are getting to school on a daily basis. Molly, as we wrap up this initial podcast, I think one of the things we maybe want to do is just kind of talk about what some may consider a buzzword, but really is just an, an integral part of the learning experience for students and well-being, and that's social-emotional, and kind of preview a little bit of what that is, and also kind of lead into who our first guest is going to be. Yes, social-emotional learning is very much tied, and as you said, it can be a buzzword, but it's very much tied to our students' experiences. I think we saw that highlighted in the last several years with the pandemic, and frankly, we have social-emotional learning standards that that are set by the state that our schools are set to meet. And I think one of the exciting opportunities we've had as an office is to help people really connect that social emotional piece to the academic piece. Because the idea is, you know, we do want our schools to create students that are healthy citizens that can participate in our community upon graduation, as well as have those academic skills and opportunities as well. So really bridging that connection between, you know, what are your social emotional competencies and understandings and how that sets you up in order to do work and be a creative, innovative learner. Kevin Jones, who has been with our office for quite a while, is really internationally known as a restorative practices expert. And we are very fortunate to have an ongoing partnership with Kevin. And he trains in restorative practices, which really takes a different look at how we engage people in the discipline process, but also how we engage people in the learning process. You know, how are students welcomed into school and prepared so that they are in a place where they can receive instruction and participate in their own learning. So we will be talking soon with Kevin about what restorative practices really looks like. And he does have that unique perspective of he's worked very closely with schools in our region, as well as community partners in our region, and frankly, schools and community partners throughout the United States and even internationally. So he really has a unique perspective about how restorative practices can really help us transform education for everybody. We really look forward to having Kevin on our inaugural full podcast. Yes, uh, he will be coming off a, a, rec- a local recognition as well, which really recognizes the work and commitment that he's made to our local community. So with that, we hope you will join us on our inaugural full podcast. I'd like to thank my co-host, Molly, as well as our producer and director, Victoria Pinella. Thank you. And until next time, this is Mark Chantry on 17 Minutes with our own.